Boxcaster online. Authorization accepted. Upload confirmed. Begin transmission. Dahlia craned her neck to look through the shuttered window. Uh, start again. Dahlia craned her neck to look through the shattered window into the sputtering darkness of the tunnel, and fought down the urge to cry out. As she saw the monstrous form of the sentient machine rumbling towards where they lay. She felt the crawling pressure of its corrupted mind as it swept the carriage for life signs, and heard the rattle of its autoloaders feeding its weapons fresh ammunition. It drew nearer with every breath and in moments its auspec would register their presence. Then it would kill them. And that was another bit of a reading from Mechanicum by Graham Neal here on After Eleanor. And those were the beautiful tones of my co-host, Greg Dan. I'm not too sure they're that beautiful, but that was David Boytek. And it still is. Okay, folks, we're back. Back with the next part of Mechanicum. Did you miss us? I missed us. Oh. So, all right. <laughs> so, okay, you know what? We're going to pick it up right where we left off. Let's jump into this next chapter and get going. What do you say, Greg? Let's do it. Chapter, yeah. chapter 2.03. Um, they're at Mondus Oculum, this huge as manufactorum. Um. And they're training Astartes that have a particular affinity for machines, which I think yeah. is an interesting thing here. So they've got Astartes. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the tech marine system, yeah. Yeah. So um, for those who aren't aware, you know, uh, tech, uh, Space Marine Legions will send recruits to or send Marines to Mars to learn more about it and they go back to work in the Legions as tech Marines, the guys with the big servo arm on their back and there's a, a kind of rotating system of having Marines on Mars to, to create those links. Okay, I've seen those models, haven't I? Like, there's you can yeah, have these in the game. Yeah. Do people use them in the game? I, isn't this one of yep. the things? That, okay, they do. Yep, and in 30K, uh, a little bit more so, particularly with, like, Iron Warriors, they've got strong links towards that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but, yeah, they can repair vehicles on in-game in and things like that. And All right, cool. Yeah, yeah they're cool. So, um... It, now it it avoided outright collapse. All right, yes, they managed. Yeah. This is another place that managed to avoid being being overrun by the scrap code. This yeah, is, part, partly due to the new sphere and partly due to Kane. Yeah, shutting anything down before it was an issue. Well, Kane realized what was going on, and yeah. he realizes that the source came from the fabricator general's place. Yeah, which is which is interesting. He realizes where it's coming from, and he worries, well, you know, if I see where it, 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 this was its source. Now, either something went horribly wrong here, which, how could something have gone horribly wrong with the fabricator general? That he's not the type of guy to allow that. Or, the only other answer is, he did it on purpose. This either yeah. got released by accident, or it didn't. And I don't see how it could have gotten released by accident. It's not logical, though. That's not logical. So, right. Yeah. Uh, he's, they hear about Istvan, 
Kane, Maximal, and Zeth hear about weird things happening on Istvan, um, either the Astartes, either the Astartes lost a battle, or a bunch of them died under friendly fire. Either way, once again, all of these bits of information are coming at the same time, and they're just they're trying to process it all and figure yeah. out what's going on. They realize something's rotten. Well, yeah, they. I mean, they know that these deaths have occurred. They're not sure that it's treachery. Their first thought is, we've got to keep running at 100% because we make uh, most of the armor and the bolt guns, las cannons, missile launchers, etc. they're going to need. So our first duty is to equip those dudes out there. Right. And that's what they're going to do. And they're, and they're in trouble, not- but they've also got this code. And if this has been released on purpose, something's rotten here. Yes, Yes. And that's, you know, then that's going to that's seriously messing up Mars messes up the entire crusade. I mean, and and they know it. And so they're they're working towards doing something right. Meanwhile, the Knights Tyrannus are out on patrol. Uh, their main reactor has to be purged of scrap code. So they're at partial strength, even though the scrap code hasn't corrupted at all. They managed to block it off. But of course, it's running like a super virus trying to break through and the more they cut it off the more pissed it's getting and the harder it's trying to break in so they're only at partial strength they don't have all the energy they need uh and maven's mount this is where where it keeps pulling him over toward the place that they were attacked yeah and it's like it needs to go back there and so finally he's like look i'm going over there what do you mean dude didn't you aren't you you're lucky you have a titan you're lucky like you said he begged to have are you really going to just run over there now when all this other crap's going on? And he's like, I have to. He's like, the, the, the Titan itself is pulling me. And he explains it to his buddy. And, and as in all good buddy pictures, look, I got no proof, but I know it's true. Are you going to help me or not? Okay, I'm, I'm with you. I got yeah. you. We're going. Yeah. And they go. And that's, I mean, that's, I kind of, I, I love this little side story. That, you know, this thing went to do it. He happened to see it. And it's another one of those things where evil's making its its move, and by a fluke he caught it, and it's 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 it's, it's eating him up. It's he he's got his own side quest, his own little hero's journey to make outside of this big thing that's going on, and it's super important too. I mean, at the end of the book, it's like wow, if he hadn't have shown up, stuff would have gone horribly wonky. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then final bit of the chapter, uh, Dahlia's having recurring nightmares about this dragon and a man in a hood with a dragon tattoo. And, uh, and she's having them every night. And so finally she can't handle it anymore. She's like, we got to go. So Caxton is like, I'll get, I'll get, I'll go get the Scoobies together and we're out. And basically that's sort of where it is. We're, we're going, we're going tonight. We're out of here. Yeah. Again, there's this there's this call, or, or is it just the dream, or, or what have you? But you get the the thought that she needs to do this, but also she needs to use her friends to do it. She can't do it alone. She's no, you know, but but she knows that it's not just a case of I need help. It's more like I need to use them. Do you think she's using them? I mean, at this point, does she know it? Because when it gets towards the end, I don't feel like she knew she was using them. She knew there was something there, and she had to get there. And I, I think I think it's the same as her quest to fix everything, to make everything. It's like, though, I have to do this, and that's the goal. 
And it's like, right, how do I do this? Well, I have my friends. See, I guess uh, I saw it more as a compulsion. Like she didn't know why she was doing it. It's just maybe. like she had to. I think it for she me was it being ref- drawn there. You know, yeah, for me it reflected the same as before, where she will achieve her goal, uh, like Zeth. Seth's prepared to achieve her goal by utilizing the things that she doesn't necessarily agree with. And um, Dahlia here is like, right, I need to do this. Uh, Um, I disagree. When when she had confided this to Caxton, he had offers to stay with her. And though she recognized Mal designed the offer, she recognized her own need as well. Um, uh, She's already kind of like, I need what I need. Where are you Um, reading that? Hold on. That's just, just before the end of the chapter. That's about Caxton staying at hers. Right. But, so she's already kind of using Caxton as a way of helping. She didn't like waking up from these dreams. Right. Uh, so she couldn't bear to be alone. So whatever was going on with Caxton, she was like, yeah, come sleep with me. I don't like being alone. Right. And it's not explicit that it was like more than that. It's like, no, I just don't want to be alone. So and I think as, as it creeps further forward, I think... Um, well, I mean, maybe, she knew he... Maybe, he, not, she, maybe uh, not, yeah, but maybe not overtly... She didn't think I need to use these people to get here, but I think there, it, no. See, I I guess I read that differently. She recognized male desire in the offer. She recognized her own need as well. She she couldn't be alone. It was horrifying to her. Yes, he's staying with her because he likes her, and she doesn't feel the same. But she needs him to be there. She needs someone with her. I thought. I, I kind of. I, I guess yeah, I just disagree. And she's, I, and she's she's playing on his desire to uh, get what she needs, uh, which I guess. is to not be alone. Right. I think there's. I think it can be read either way. Don't get me wrong. But I think as we go through, I think she does see that she can. And I, as I say, I don't think it's necessary that she goes out to do it. I think that it's a result of her needing to get what she needs. Yeah. I guess I see this as she's being drawn and she's being drawn there and she feels like she has to go. And it's not I'm going to use them to get there. It's like I have to go and I can't go. I can't make it on my own. Will you guys help me? And I guess I see that more less less of using them and more as – you know, I don't know why I have to. It, you know, I'm, I'm trying to draw. I'm trying to think of a parallel in other things, uh, almost like in uh, what's it? What's the what's the movie? Um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Remember that movie? Yeah, it's been a while since I watched it. But Remember yeah. where uh, where he's you know he's he's he 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 sees this thing and he keeps getting obsessed with the mountain. The mountains in his dreams. He makes the mountain out of potatoes. He makes the mountain out of this mud thing in his house. This means something. This is important. And he's drawn there. And he and he doesn't know why. And he's and it's not malevolent. He's got to go there. And whatever means is drawing them there. I, I just feel like something is pushing itself onto him. And later on, he even says, "Like you had no chance. You were coming here." You know, you were drawn here. You have been chosen to be here, type of thing. Yeah. So I don't know so much that she's but, that it's a, he, that it's a using it, them. I guess I'm saying in sh- that example though, he goes mm-hmm. trying to remember the film. In this example, right, every night the same dream. What do you think it means? And Dahlia pulled free from his brace. It means we need to leave. So we haven't seen the compulsion that they all have to go. But that's that's left unsaid, maybe. So that yeah, is, maybe I guess root, you can read it either way. In. I guess I just see it as she's being pulled, and it's like I need help. I can't I can't do this without you guys. I gotta go. That's where she she trusts them in a way she doesn't trust Zeth because she could just ask Zeth, listen, 
there's something there. Oh yeah, we no, all I need to go. That. Yeah, I appreciate that that aspect of it. But yeah, it's, and I um, guess yeah, that's I just, guess that's why I I don't see it the way you see it because if if she was just going to use people, she would have just gone to Zeth and said, "Hey, guess what? I need to go." Zeth's own curiosity and desire would have would have drawn oh, her I right over. I don't know about that. I, I think, think she, she might have. I, th- I think I think uh, Dahlia would have thought with to go to death, to go to Zeth and say I've had dreams and I need to fulfil those dreams. Zeth would say, "What are you talking about, Willis? You know that's not Maybe. scientific. That's not empirical truth. That's not you know evidence based." But Zeth knows she's also attached to this. Okay, you yeah, know, it's, we're getting it's we're getting off topic. This is yeah. another one that hey folks, guess what? There you go. You want to write in about this one? You want to jump on the forums about this one? What do you think? This will be a great topic for after sh- the uh, the uh, after show show. Yes. So, so anyway, yes. Um, so they're on the move and uh, they, they try to blend in and sneak out of this this place and then you know, mix levels right. of success in what they look like, uh, all except for um, Millicent or whatever her name is. Right. She chooses to remain, uh, which you know becomes more apparent later. Um, <clears throat> but right. she's got a. And she feels bad for not going later. It seems like, but she knows she's got to stay behind. She's got a jo- she's got another job to do. Yeah, so the absolutely. organizer is has slightly closer ties to Zeth than we realize. I think, or we realized at first. Yeah, or maybe yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's hard to tell right at that initial start. Um, it might be just fear or or not wanting to go against the mold. But certainly, the rest of the group all want to help her. They all f- probably feel partly guilty for what went on as well. But they're certainly there for Zeth uh, for right. uh, Dahlia, um, and they get to uh, they get to the Maglev. Uh, to to start their journey, and uh, Zeus Zeus misunderstands uh, the 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 blurts coming out of the the fragments coming out from the maglev, and uh, this voice behind them just says, uh, "Yeah, it says it's going to be delayed by two hundred and seventy five seconds." And there's <laughs> there's Romu uh, stood behind them, and he's right. like, "Uh oh, rumbled." Yep, but it's uh, it's all good. No, it's pretty I, I, cool. I mean, you you could uh, you could draw all kinds of comparisons between the half robot workers and commuters going into London on the tube and various things like that. But, um, whether that was intentional or just my reading of it is a different matter. But, um, <laughs> certainly, having seen commuters coming home from London, half robot is uh, quite active compared to them. Right. Uh, yes. but I like that he does show up and he's like, "Oh no, I'm no you." Ain't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh oh. Um, cutting back to Cavalero. Hey, when you first you read this, did you think he was trying to stop them at first? Because at first I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, like, of course you did, yeah. You were there like, Cavalero's here. He's smashing face. Yep. And he's um, he's in trouble, but it's all right. He's a hero. He's going he's gonna to come out of it. He's he's in the midst of almost killing. A, he's killed a Reaver already, and he's hunting a second as a, a warhound surprises him and uh, just distracts him enough for the Reaver to get in. A killing blow, just as he dies himself. Yeah, um, uh, which we later find out is, uh, yeah, it's it's a simulation. Uh, yeah. This is a, a testing to see if he is ready for being put back into the machine, uh, and they're worried that he's he's not going to be ready quick enough. Um, no matter how many engines he's killed, he, he's he's. 
I think I think part of it is they're worried that he will give in to that spirit and will become that angry thing and lose lose himself in the in the Titan. Yeah, he's doing well, but not well enough. He's reckless. Yes, and then that it's like he's never been reckless. So there's there's that that worry comes in. This yeah. is this is not the guy who's reckless, and to see him doing things like that, of course, you know. It could just be that he's just completely overwhelmed. I mean, amazed by the amount of power he's got. I mean, when you get that kind of connect, now he. I mean, the connection he's got is so strong now. So yes, he could totally lose it because he's reckless. Or it could be that wow, it's just sort of like flexing his muscles for the first time. Yeah. And the other problem though is if he comes back, he will be the uh, head of the Legio. So. Right. They're going to rely on him for all their tactical stuff, all their orders. So if it was just him as a warrior, you could almost kind of say, yeah, go for it. Take take him down with you. Uh, just as long as you do more destruction than you take, that's fine. But as the leader of the gang, he's got to be with it. And he's not quite there yet. Gotcha. Um, and we jump back to uh, Dahlia and Romu, uh, which is quite a nice little scene, actually, because... You, you automatically think he's going to drag her back, but um, he's he's there to look after her. That, those are his orders. His right. orders were one, one, make sure she stays here and does this and does this. It was make sure no harm comes to her. Um, and as with robots, you've got to be pretty specific in your orders. Uh, um, you know, he's her protector, and that is it. But right. also, there is a small part of him that believes that she may hold the key to surviving the chaos. Um, uh, and we, we see that like that the populace doesn't really know what's going on and they've managed to keep a little bit, bit kind of away from them, as it were. But, exactly. but, we, but Romu's on board now. Um, he's he's, he's going to go and, and help them get to, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the Noctus Labyrinth. Right. And, uh, uh, da, 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 da. yeah, we, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it from that section. Right. And then you get that last bit where she's watching it and Mellison is, and she tells her, delete all records of her destination from your memory coils. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we find out Mellison's been reporting. Right. Uh, uh, and probably right back from the start and everything else. Um, but Zeth's quite happy to let let it go and let Dahlia do whatever it is that Dahlia is destined to do. It's kind of interesting that she she brought her there to do this, but then she realized that there was something bigger going on and just lets it happen. It's it's Yeah, it, for, for a woman who's so against the mythical thing, she she can recognize that there's something going on that is not uh, not straightforward and logical. Right, and she, and she's and she's interested enough and, and confident enough to, to see what happens. Yeah, you know. Well, also, I mean, also it may be that she thinks, well, even if she comes back, she won't be like useful anymore because she's like almost broken. Right. So. Because of course, medicine will have repeated everything that Jonas said as well. So maybe it's just a case of, well, it needs to be worked out one way. There's Possibly, no yeah. Back. So, yeah, but it's it's cool. I quite like it. Now, chapter five here is uh, 
we got an interesting bit, and uh, I want to try to get through the end of this unit or this uh, section here. I think we can do this before the next break. Uh, we got three more chapters. Ambassador Melgator shows up at Zeth's place, and he shows up with an assassin. Yeah. And she recognized it as an assassin. So it's like, wait a minute, you're not, you know, he's acting friendly. But I think in any movie we've ever watched, well, if you're being friendly, I mean, heck, heck Firefly, if the yeah. if if they wanted to play nice, they wouldn't have sent an assassin to come yeah, talk to me, you know. Um, so he, he has, asked, yeah. yeah, he asks her why she thinks her forge was unaffected, and she goes, "Well, possibly the notes, the new sphere." Uh, and there's a lot of info digging and cat and mouse. He's asking questions. She doesn't want to tell him what's going on. Uh, partly because I think you know, the, you know, it says for several times all of these different adepts they guard their their projects very. Yeah, they're very secretive about their project. I don't want to tell you my project stuff. Plus, dude, weird crap's going down, and there's no way that she, you know, I mean, he's, they've already she's already been talking with what's his name, Maximal. Yes, you know, they I haven't that, talked with Kane necessarily. Although I think they might have have talked with Kane even. You would have thought that as soon as that went down. Kane, all those guys who were close were like, A, what was that big beam? Why did the Astronomicon hit your forge? Yeah, <laughs> They'd be asking her that, and then they'd be asking, what the hell's going on on Mars? This is all weird. You would have right. thought that that would have gone on. Yeah, at this point, nobody wants to tip their hand, because no. everyone, basically Zeth and her friends are clean of all of this when this happened, so they're looking at the stuff that where stuff's gone bad and said, hey, we were spared we're going to hold off. And, of course, you know exactly why the other guys are asking her. Yeah. Uh, Melgator yeah. accuses Terra of the attack. Emperor wants the whole galaxy, and that includes Mars. And when Zeth calls that treason, he looks at her. Yeah, you know. And this is another typical scene. I mean, we've seen this scene a hundred times. Hey, that's too close to treason. Really? You think it's treason? Maybe you ought to be sure who your friends are before <laughs> you start saying things like that. And Get out. You know, and, you know. Yeah. Melgator throws the brick of subtlety <laughs> exactly and she throws him right out which you know hey I'm standing up for what's right really you better you better be certain you want to do that get out so the the lines in the sand are drawn here um, she also admits she admits to him that she doesn't believe in the machine god yeah which gives uh, an easy opening for right he's recorded that. this it's on tape she basically did, you know, she said the raw, you know, this is the basically the admission of a crime on tape in front of, you know, witnesses here. Um, Zeth's disbelief is enough to have her forge taken away from her. Uh, the assassin has stolen the new sphere info from Polk, her assistant. And I love this. Here's the assassin, you know, the assassin just being a dick to be a dick. Um, she steals this new sphere info, the info she can out of the new sphere from a Deb Polk, and then she fused his memory circuits, so he's no longer useful. He can't build any more long-term memories. Yeah, well, you've got um, they built into this assassin a cruelty. I mean, she literally said, and he, when he asked her, "Why'd you do that?" Because I liked it. I like to do it. I like to hurt people, and this was hurtful for no good reason. It's other than I've just ruined this guy. And she, you know, she got smart with me, so I had to do something mean to her too. So you find out about Dahlia, but they can't find her, so they go after Melison instead. They've stolen the information from Polk. They know Dahlia's gone off. They don't know where, so they go after Melison because she's the only one on the team they can find. 
Uh, while they're going after her, the rest of the team is still with Romu 31 and heading towards the Noctis Labyrinthius. Uh, Dahlia wants to free the dragon. This is another interesting discussion on suffering and punishment. She's, you know, she says if this dragon has been trapped here all this time, it needs to be freed. And he goes, A, some things deserve to suffer forever. And she's like, nah, what do you mean? You know, there's a whole discussion about A, isn't there a point where you've, you've paid your penalty and Azusha's like, no, you know what? There's some penalty. Some some things can never get paid back for in full. Yeah, Graham likes to do a lot of these kind of philosophical questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I quite enjoy that. Actually, it's, it's a few pages of it. Yeah, and it worked. Uh, yeah, you know, and Zeus is there. You know, we can see that we find out. You know, his parents died in uh, Tang. Tang's one of the tyrants' camp, so he's. Um, you know, they were genetically assigned to different partners but fell in love uh, and went across across the law of that land. Uh, so he's he's bitter and, and twisted by by nature of that. Um, right. And then you find out the evil warlord winds up dying rather swiftly when he does die. And yeah. he's like, no, nah, that guy should have suffered for a long time for the stuff he did. You know, sort of that the, the whole argument. No, 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 no death penalty. Let him rot in jail. You know, it's yeah, way absolutely. worse to let that happen. Uh, and then the assassin shows up, and he shows up over at uh, Melison's place, and she's like, "Dude, the information's erased." He's like, "The information's never completely erased." <laughs> he goes, "It's going to hurt you. It's probably going to kill you, but I will get the information." And that's where our chapter ends. Yeah, we we get a nice little look into um, Melison's role as she's considering like, her time with Dahlia. Uh-huh. She, you know, she was there to mold and guide the group. Um, but in return for that, she enjoyed being part of that group. It was something that, that gave her uh, pleasure and enjoyment. Right, and uh, you know, once again, she's like, "Hey, you know, you get the you get the mustache twirling assassin here." <laughs> this is going to hurt you more than it hurts me. And, uh, yeah, so now uh, chapter six. Yeah, Cav- Cavalario. Uh, so he's in his he's in his tank. As, as you said, he feels even more part of the machine than he was before. Um, but this time he knows he's, he's in the simulations. Uh, but it doesn't really matter to him. <laughs> he's no. like, yeah, it, it all feels real. It's all good. And... Um, We've got we've got very little of his, you know. He it's it's he's in a a life support system that's just keeping the the, the functionality alive so he can do his job. Right. Uh, his his eyes are wired inputs. Uh, um, yeah. This is this is again we see an, another way that humanity stripped away from someone, but he doesn't care because he is now like he is almost the titan now. Yeah. Um, he's he, removed that level. He finds out about that death of innocence. And boy, yes. is he pissed! Oh yeah, he's he's a big guy, and he's not happy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We get we, we uh, yeah, that's all through uh, Sharrock's visits. Uh, so he's there trying again. He's like testing him to find out what's going on. Uh, we had two Titan Legios totally destroyed due to scrap code, which Ooh. is pretty that's, pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, uh, mechanic and factions fighting and seizing territory uh, and then the big notice from Terra 
to to Mars and quell the uprising, or the legionnaires will have to. Yeah, Terra Terra can't stand this to happen. Right. Um, they don't know yet how stretched they are. The full information, you know, the drop site massacre hasn't tur- turned yet. So whether they know exactly what's gone on this van uh, three, they they think. They, they don't know that, you know, they're going to be in a, you know, 50-50 split almost of, of legions. So they're threatening to send the legions there, which may not be quite so easy yeah, a little bit later on. Um, no kidding. But yeah, I, you know, and we, we've got, you know, Caballeros being, uh, being briefed. But we, we right. jump again back to uh, Dahlia on their long, boring journey on a train. Yeah, I mean, they pass some towns. Romu 31 yeah. makes a joke. I mean, it just, it's, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's not bad. There's just, there's not a lot to go on. It's just a reminder. These guys are traveling. They're traveling a long way. Right. It's all going on. And the idea that the towns have been just completely abandoned because anything near this thing just does, nobody stays there. So. Yeah. Um, and we, we kind of leave them entering that tunnel. Right. Into the darkness. It's just a tunnel. There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> What's the, 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 the part of this chapter, the meat of this chapter is what happens next over at, back at Magma City. Yeah. So uh, Fabricated Gel, uh, General comes for Adap Zeth. So this is just before the, uh, you know, as the maglev's going on. Um, and he doesn't... Uh, yeah, he, he, he's well, it's not the his, fabricator general. Does he show up? No, he the, sends the, Regulus. The for, sorry, the forces of the fabricator general. Yeah, he it. sends Regulus of all yes. people. And Regulus, I mean, he's not, he's the ambassador again, but he's, yeah, so. Yeah, it's, it's almost a symbol of um, of what's going on, I suppose. But we've got all the uh, modified Skitari and protectors. So these are guys with spikes on, which means they're bad. Um, uh, I think at this point, He's got nothing to fear, right? You know, but Mars is is pretty much his. And I love know. the uh, the 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 back and forth here because this reminds me of that um, the back and forth between Saruman and uh, Gandalf. When have you left? You know, left wisdom for the path of madness. You know, because she yeah. tells him you're using dirty code here. He goes, "Oh no, it's pure code. The way it was yeah. meant to be before it was shackled to the will of flesh. If you can't see the flaw in that line of reasoning, you are beyond the reach of my logic." Now say what you saw. You know, it's like you know what? If you believe the crap that's coming out of your mouth, we really yeah. just say what you got to say and get the hell out of here because I got nothing for you if you believe what's coming out of your face. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, you <laughs> you mock these accusations. Is there no end to your wickedness? Oh, I I absolutely mock them. They are laughable. And if you weren't so blinded by what Kelbor Howes turned you into, you would see that. And the beauty I, is that's. It's what he turned Kelbor Hal into. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Zeth's prepared to to fight. She thinks she's got uh, um, nothing to to fear here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I thought it was. I th- I thought initially when I first read this, I was trying to remember back. I thought it was all heroes' bravery, but you know, House Tyrannus is here. Uh, helping out as well. That she, I mean, she didn't hang around. She knew what was coming. Oh, yeah. She's not stupid. Um, this is this is the, the kind of the big 
the big step. This is proper war. Right. Amongst the adepts, not just the legios having issues. This is proper war. And we've got, um, yeah, as I say, the, 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 the House Tyrannus is, is um, ready yeah. and waiting. Yeah, thank God she's got. Yeah, she's got that Meridius backup. I love the part where he's sitting there. He's like, you know, you're you're a disgrace. And she's like, wait a minute, you come in here, your assassin kills one of my people, messes up my assistant, and I'm the disgrace. You're using assassins to pull your dirty work. It's just, it's a great standoff here. Another really great standoff coming up to the yeah, end of this. It's is quite cool. And even the destruct the, the description of what's going on with the uh, the shield palanquins with the Ogrins. Yeah. And all that and and everything else. Um, the, the description of Megalator and Regulus, you know, atop of it, clad in midnight black. Yep. Uh, hoods drawn up over their skulls, and yeah, it's um, it's awesome. Yep. So okay, let's let's hit chapter seven and wrap up this uh, this this last uh, part of part two. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the the finer points here. Um, basically, they're you know they're still in that dark tunnel. They're traveling. It's interesting. They go into this dark tunnel, and Dahlia has a panic attack. He says, don't make me go back into the dark. I'm like, what do you mean back into the dark? We just, you know. And there's an interesting thing where Severine thinks she's got this link to that dragon, and he's been in the dark for ages. So as she's getting closer and she's linked with him, he sees the light through her eyes. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, yeah. Initially, I mean, that seemed like a, quite a jump of reason. Right. Me. But I suppose it's... It's potentially kind of she's been going on about it for so long. Exactly. And yeah. it sort of makes sense. She's looking for the dragon. She's got a link to this. She feels this bond. She's dreaming about him. Going into that is uh, you know. So they're slowing down and they don't know why. And then suddenly the thing that attack once again, what was it, the Caban the Caban engine is coming to kill her. This is an interesting thing. It just starts killing every damn thing. And they're all sort yeah. of wounded and trapped. Crap's falling down on them. People are hurt. They're ta- you know, bullets are grazing them, whatever's going on. And it's scanning for them. And, of course, then it cuts away. Um, it cuts away. Cavalario knows exactly what's going on. And even though they're outnumbered and outgunned, that's like, okay, it's time for us to go to war. So back, you know, you get the other declaration before you had the Fabricator General saying, we're, you know, the Legio Mortis is going to march. And now the Princeps Cavalario is like, okay, now it's time. We're going to war. Um, which was a great scene, but basically it was just a build-up for him to say we're going to war. Yeah, I, yeah. actually, that, that speech was quite good. It um, was, yeah. It, it was well thought out. It wasn't over the top. It was no Independence Day. Um, no, no, it, it was, wasn't. It was a little bit more understated than that. It was inspiring and reasonable um, and maintaining honor and status. Uh, but knowing that there were going to be trials to come. I liked right. it. Yeah, I love that. You know, I will become one with. Uh, yeah, I will still walk with. I will walk alongside you as I have always dreamed I would make my last work with the first God Machine. I will become with Deus Tempestus. Then the word yeah. is given. Yes, the word is given. Tempestus goes to war. It is. It's short and it works. Um, yeah. One thing. Um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to come back to Dahlia, mm-hmm. and in that first attack from from the Caban machine. Uh, most of it was from Dahlia getting a feel of the, of the machine. Right. Which was actually a really clever way of writing something that would be utterly alien. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we, you know, her talent was used 
as a way of storytelling something that would be really difficult to storytell. I thought that was quite clever as well. Oh, yeah. And she knew it was coming to kill her, too. Once again, yes, there's that bond. Exactly. We, we, yeah. And, but that allows you, rather than having, you know, we, some writers may have put the, the machine thinking it through and it, it wouldn't have worked very well. No. In fact, the few bits you get where she sees into what happened to it, it's even that's a little strange to comprehend. Yes. And it's filtered through her. Um, so back, we get back to her, though, and somehow now she pulls a Neo from the end of the second Matrix. She goes into the computer's head. And oh, yeah. this is where she knows everything about this going on. He, they, they made it kill its friend. So somehow they put some normal intelligence into the computer. Um, but apparently it used to have human. Maybe it was a, I don't know, is it a human brain or something? But for some reason, yeah, it was there and it had yeah. to kill its friend. And that was like yeah, its, its first act as a sentient being. Yeah, it's a perfect meld of organics and artificial components. So, yeah, there's a human brain in there somewhere doing mm -hmm. something. And so it becomes self-aware as, as this machine thing. And the first thing they make it do is kill its friend, um, which is, you know, she's like, oh, that's such a horrible thing for your first thing to have to do. Yeah. Um, and then basically after that, then they introduce the scrap code into it. And so basically she is able to do this. So she looks inside its mind and she hides them from it. She doesn't allow the message uh, that the sensors are picking them up. She doesn't allow that message to go all the way back to the CPU. She blocks it. And, and she sends a, a false message of heartbeats further down. Right. It was yeah, just, just, well, she doesn't even know how she's doing this at this point. She just did. She saw yeah. how it worked. She reached it. She can reconfigure the matrix as she sees fit at this point. Um. And so it leaves. It goes to get him. It shoots in that direction, starts shooting, shooting, shooting. She stops sending a fake signal to it. Oh, I killed him. Time to leave. And it turns to leave, and they're like, we got to go. Hell yeah. And then the final scene, it cuts back, and uh, Kelbor Hall gets info from the machine that Dolly and her team are dead. And so the the scene with the with the... You know, they're basically getting ready to to march on the Magma City, but this manufactorum running with the and they're they're feeding the machine. They're they're killing people and feeding the blood into the machines, like blood for the blood god here. They're killing servants and menials, and the, so the machines are slick with blood. I'm just picturing this whole factory running and just covered in blood everywhere. Oh yeah, and pools of it going, and they're and the scrap coat is going and chanting as well. Um, and then you get to the end there, and uh, that's where Kelbar Hall turns around with all this blood going on. The adept of the dark mechanicum they've taken on their name. Yeah, you know, and it, and it, and it is suitably, suitably cartoonish. We are the dark mechanicum. So they have they, they took the comic book name and then said this is a great day. But yeah, it's Melgator who had coined that phrase, right? So yeah, it's um, it's a step removed from him. So he's allowed to yeah <laughs> to do that. But yeah, so this is a great day, my acolytes. Remember it always. This is the day Mars and her Forge World cast off the yoke of the Emperor's tyranny. Unleash your armies and stain the sands of our planet red with blood. End of part two. So commercial break or break, break, whatever break. And then uh, we'll be back with uh, part three.
All right, all right, all right. Part three, Origins Mechanicus. Yeah, we get a, uh, an, an opening of the historical description of the, the Civil War, the Martian Civil War. Yes. Uh, which is a grand kind of sweeping scale around here. There's no messing around here. We get a forge destroyed by nuclear bombs, which have been outlawed. You know, 14 million dying in hours to a version of the life eater virus. Uh, that's just on top of all the normal dis- death and destruction. They just picked out a couple of nice, nicer bits for us to read. Um, uh, we get, um, you know, it's not even confined to the planet. We get the shipyards and the fleets and, uh, Battlefleet Solar just backs off from the red planet. Yep. It's just like, whoa, yeah, we'll, we'll worry about that in a minute. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. The the amount, when they're just hitting the big things and it's just millions and millions and millions dying in, 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 in minutes, yeah. if not hours, it's like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, the Mechanicum Glorium has its engines destroyed in low orbit and falls into the atmosphere, um, flaring a trail. Uh, is seen as a sign and a call for peace is sent out uh, and then uh, one forge um, when it hits um, billions die yep <laughs> and I love the one the, the one that called for peace oh this is a sign it lands on them yeah, as it would yeah, yeah of course yeah, as it would, yeah. but yeah it, again that just shows you, you know, billions billions and billions are dying here yeah when you think we've only got what seven billion on the planet oh well there's a lot more on Mars on Earth, yeah, you know that shows you how how packed and whatever they are. No kidding. Huh? Anyway, cool. So, um, Dahlia and her her little group uh, are in their salvaged cargo five, uh, racing away towards the uh, labyrinth nocturne or whatever it's called. Right. Um. Uh. Yeah. They're, they're not. The, the thing is, they're not sure why this thing's after them, except it's out to kill them. Yeah, which which must be even kind of crazier, really. Uh, it just adds into that fear. But yeah, it's horrifying. They're going to this thing. It's attacking them. They just why did it leave us? Oh, I blanked its mind and made it think they were somewhere else. What? How'd you do that, dude? I don't know. Just, just keep going. I mean, it's just, and they and they just keep going. I mean, there's a bit of shell shock there. Okay, okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's it's a long, like I say, it's a long, long journey with with them finally getting to the Noctis Labyrinthus and uh, plunging deep into it. But, right. you know, luckily, every time they, they break down, they've got a, a group of guys who can fix it. Yep. And meanwhile, <laughs> you got Maven and Cronus yeah. trailing the Cabal engine, the on, Caban on, engine. On their hunt. Uh, yep. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, they come across the Maglev um and, and they're not too sure whether their their responsibility is then to find out what's gone on here, or or to find the thing that they're set out after. But yeah, well, Maven's they're, pretty they're, sure he looks yeah, around and says, "Look, yeah, I don't know. We got to find it. I don't know why it did this, but I know we're on the trail. Let's go." That's it. Um, and as Dahlia and that group, they they're, they're starting to head down into the, the labyrinth here, uh, and we get that technology start to fail. Yeah, we heard the stories about it. It is happening. We've got, um, again, this hoarfrost that's appearing as they go deeper, right? which is something we see almost every time that the, you know, the, the ether or whatever you want to call it is close to, to, to them. 
as we say, or being used or whatever. Um, but they finally break down uh, uh, and have to walk and find a, a sheer cliff which has been damaged over time. Right. There's a, a strange mist coming out of it. The breath of the dragon. Yes, Dal- Dahlia knows exactly where she is. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, there's quite a few pages in that, but it's fairly straightforward. There are there are story. times in this book at, and where you're just getting the long stretches where you can pretty much sum it up quickly. I mean, it's great descriptions, and I'm liking it. I'm not trying to slight Graham McNeil in the least here, but some of the battles, like like you said, when they were marching towards them, you know. It was great description, but basically they're marching towards them and they're standing waiting it's, to see what they do. It's weird because when you're doing this, you notice it more like how many pages you've written and how much note taking you've done on it. But I enjoy reading it. Oh, sure. Uh, and Graham is known for his longer books. Right. So it's all good. It's all good. But then we get to go back to Earth for a few minutes. Yes. Uh, the hollow mountain of the Himalaya at the crown of terror. And we get to see uh, that giant that wears the magnificent suit of gold armor, Mr. Rogel Dawn, Mr. Yep. Mr. Charisma. Um, and he's there with uh, Malkador. Um, and <laughs> I love how, how insignificant Malkador appears next to Dawn. <laughs> right. Just this little old guy. And it's like, well, actually, yeah, he, you know, they're kind of on a level right. uh, at the moment, which is cool. Um, <laughs> Did you have a part picked out to read in here? Because I know I sure do. Not specifically, so go 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 ahead. Uh, when they're talking and they're walking and they because once again it brings up the emperor and I just love the heartbreak in Dorn in this part. It's one of the reasons I loved when I loved reading it. The emperor still does not join us. Asked Dorn as they passed the blood-stained armor of pearl that had been torn from the body of the warlord Caligan. Malkador sighed. He'd been waiting for this question. It's so funny. Malkador knows it. It's like he's the emperor's best bud, but these are his children. And his children are there just like he knows they're going to ask. It's like, you, it's got, the question's coming. No, my friend, he does not. Tell me why, Sigilite demanded Dorn. His empire is crumbling and his brightest bastard son is dragging half the galaxy into war. What could possibly be more important? I have no answer for you, said Malkador. Save the emperor's word that nothing is more important than his labors in the palace vaults. Not Horus, not you, and certainly not I. Then we're alone. No, said Malkador, not alone, never alone. The emperor may not stand beside us, but he has given us the means to fight this war and win it. Horus has three of his brother legions with him. You and your fists have 13 others. Oh, what a mistake. And I hear, would that it were 15, mused Dorn. Do not even think of it, my friend. They are lost to us forever. I know, and you're right. But any simple reckoning of numbers, the traitor stands little chance of victory. But he was always the most cunning, the one most likely to find a way where no others could. Is that what you're afraid of? It's just this great conversation where he's, it's, you know, plus they're counting that they've got 13 on yeah. on yeah. five and <laughs> no that's not how it's breaking down at all you're wrong no i, li- I like the bits after it as well um yeah uh so we, we get a better some, we better get some news because we got the warp storms at the moment as well so we better get some news of sanguinius and the lion mm-hmm. and magador says and guilliman and russ i'm not worried about them they can look after themselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah torn but yeah but yeah it's um so this is this is then there we see the great pain of dawn of having to tear down the imperial palace mm-hmm. um, which is something he he's hating he hates himself for doing it 
and yet he knows he must do it. Yep. Um, which is the strength of Dawn. And and also that little passage you read out, the fact that he asked the question about, you know, where's the Emperor? But he accepts that he can't then know and gets on with things. And that's why the Dawn that's why Dawn's on Terra and not anyone else. Right, and because you've seen Dorn at other times demand answers and and get angry. I mean, if with the Garrow books, you know, you tell the Sigilite one more time this happens, and I'm not I'm not putting up with it anymore. I mean, there's times where Dorn is very demanding, but when it comes to this stuff, he's he accepts it. Um, you know, just the idea that the, where they're talking how he's got to go, what he did on Istvan three, we've got to go and take him out. Like it's it's interesting to see this side of it after reading those books so many books ago. Yeah. Just to go back and see the little bits of planning, how they just had no clue. And even Dorn no, says it, dude, he's slippery. Yeah. But yeah. yeah no, well, I mean he would know that that Horace had a plan. I mean but you wouldn't stand four legions up against thirteen. It doesn't make sense fifty you know. Yeah, I mean, he knew he had a plan, but I mean, even he can't guess at it. Yeah, no, no one guessed. Yeah, no one could guess that sort of the scale of plan that he had. But and, yeah, and then they talk about Mars, how they got to do that, and that's basically he's got to go in there. Well, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, they talk about the need to secure the solar system uh, before getting too overegged on other systems. Yeah, they can't have the the wolf at the, at the door and then try and put a fence around that. that that's not good. Um, so he, you know, he, he he must go. So he sends Sigismund, but tempered by Camber Diaz, because Sigismund's a bit of a volatile character. Right, uh, right. And they need. It's not just, uh, you know, they've got to worry about all that armor that they're going to have because they know that there's going to be huge demands on that now. Um, yeah. So they got to get in there and grab it. So there's four companies plus guard plus solar auxilia. Um, but the the sold Targon's word bearers aren't sent because they're going to go to the assault on this fan five. So yeah, interesting kind of decision on that one. Like in, in terms of how we know that that goes on. Right. Yeah, they can't afford to fail. No, it's it's. Uh, this is really. This is just. This is so great. This little break from there. It's like meanwhile back on Terra, and whoa, wow. This is. It's just. It's. It's just it's a great little aside that really it starts connecting little bits of what's going on here to the rest of that universe because you really do sort of feel separate from the from the from the heresy in ways. I mean, you it, yes, yeah, it's, it's happening. It's a, it's a self-contained story on Mars to 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 break out and see like oh, but these little things are still happening here. It's it's the cameos yeah. in here that are that are making it. You know, it's like oh, okay. Now at least you've got exact you've got an exact feeling for the place and time of it, you know. And uh, I guess then we're on chapter two. Yeah, uh, Legio Mortis attacks the Magma City, and they smash the defenses, and they take down a Warhound, and then a Reaver. Um, you know, and that that Ordinatus machine. You know, they take down the Reaver. That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, the, the Legio. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not trying to make this sound. Like blah blah, it's really cool. It's I mean, but it's it's basically once again, it's a lot of bolter porn. I mean, you can yeah, read it for that, yourself. That one little bit is really nicely done. It's their kind of trump card that they play out. Yeah, they um, basically pull out the biggest ass cannon. This is like the thing that's on the front, that's behind the book. It's a big ass cannon, <laughs> yeah. and it just puts a hole 
into the reaver. Blam! And then they're like, yay, start reloading it. And they look at that thing and just like, take that thing out. Oh, and it gets taken out pretty quick too, doesn't it? Yes. Um, but that was kind of part of the plan, wasn't it? They, they knew it would be. Yeah. They knew it was a one-shot weapon. But, and that's where they had the, the Titans in backup because they knew they were going to have to rush in and it get it. seemed like they were hoping to possibly get a second shot off then. Yeah. But- well, it was one of those things where it's like, we're going to get one hit. If we're lucky, we might get another one. Right. But, you know they, they, they know they know they're up against it anyway, so it's a case of dealing as much damage as they can. Right, and then basically you see the couple of the other sh- the other machines just they're just they start walking through the city and just destroying everything in their path. They're leaving nothing standing in front of them. No, I mean I did like as I say I did like the fact that um, uh, they were ambushed. Mortis knew they were they mm-hmm. knew Mortis would come striding into the center, and they they played them well, but it was always a one sided fight. Yeah, there is a great little play here. And once again, it's 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 a titan battle. So they're describing yeah. as they're blowing all this stuff up, but then all of a sudden this lone warhound, the, the one that sort of got out ahead of everybody else, this warhound, it dies. It gets smashed. And then the pair of its friends come in for revenge, and that's when Deus Tempestus is there. And it just runs right into one of them, rams into it, knocks it over, and then stomps on it. Yeah. Just sma- just, just kills it with its foot. That's awesome. The second one is just like, oh, crap, and runs away. And it runs right into Metallus and, and, the, uh, and Arcadia Fortis. Metallus, Sebreni, and Arcadia Fortis. Basically, it runs into two other Titans. It runs away right where they knew it would run. And those guys finish it off. There's some great stuff going on here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Zeth is watching the battle. And I like this. This is so much fun. Um even without the terrible threat of the Mortis Imperator, the Tempestus engines were dreadfully outnumbered and outgunned. Yet still, Cavalario had come. He had not been interned within the amniotic... Had he not been interned within the amniotic tank, she would have hugged him in a rare outburst of emotion. Yes. Yeah, he came in. <laughs> she, oh, I, I thought that was cute. Once again, these little... Every time they do that, it's just... It's because it is so different from everything you see in the book. It makes such a huge impact. Yeah. Um, now you got the Imperial Knight running around, and they're killing Skitari before being pulled down. Yeah. And the Skitari, you get enough of them, they're pulling down these knights, you know, just by sheer force of numbers, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the exchange is totally in Chaos's favor here. There's got so many of them that you, you can kill thousands of the Skitari. They pull down one knight. They're, they're, uh, they're ahead of the game. So... Um, there's a nice little chat between um, uh, Maximal and uh, Zeth. Yeah. About the you know kind of the price of knowledge. Uh, is there any knowledge that is worth the you know is is all knowledge worth the cost? Is there no cost high enough for knowledge uh, and things like that? Um, you know, she says some knowledge is best forgotten. Maximal, don't say such things. Knowledge is power. No price is too high to pay to preserve it. It's like, well, you know. Yeah, the accumulation of knowledge should be our one and only goal. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, it uh, was, and we got screwed. <laughs> yeah, and then like, they're kind of like, oh, the Astartes are coming to help us. And it's like, no, not really. Uh, the Astartes are going to come, going to get their own weapon and armor, and then they're going to shoot off again and leave us to it. Yeah, and that's what Kane tells him. Dorn's coming. Oh, they're, gonna, they're not going to go and help you until after they supply the factories. And that's where... Um, 
you know, do you have something to add? Is there any word from our wayward prodigy beneath no, her mess? Yeah, <laughs> and I and I actually wrote, "What the hell's going? What? Is, what?" And then I, oh, wait a minute, okay. Yeah. So they all know that she's going, and something's happening out. I mean, Zeth has shared this information with these other guys too. They're all sort of interested to see what's happening here, which I thought yeah. was pretty cool. That's it. Um, and then let's see what else happens. Oh, they back to Dolly. They're walking down the tunnels, and um, and the tunnels look really odd. And she wants to know what made it. And they're like, oh, maybe a geological metamorphosis, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, nope, nope. There's something buried here that is leaching outward. So once again, she has a logic leap that she couldn't have. But everyone else is trying to explain why this is changing. She's like, no, it's the dragon. Uh, they hear something up ahead. And it looks like Frankenstein's lab in this place. Thousands of sheets all over the place with silhouettes of people with a ton of color around four-fifths of them. Yeah, there's always an ex- one of the one of the five extremities is always not colored, and suddenly there's someone there, and I thought it was an adept because he had the robe on and everything like that, uh, but it turned out it's that person with the robe and the dragon tattoo, and his he says his name is Simeon, and he hasn't seen the stars in a long time. He is the guardian of the dragon, so there you go, bam bam bam, they found him. They have indeed. And uh, he's the guardian dragon. And then finally you get the um, last bit. Uh, Legio Mortis has pulled back after the destruction of four of their titans. They're like, screw this. And they just start bombarding the place. They're just going to, you know, they're going to throw mortars at it because they're not, they don't want to lose any more titans. But they don't target the forge because the Kelbor Hell wants the forge taken in one piece. So... They realize the same thing, so basically everybody in town runs to, into the forge, <laughs> and so they're just shelling the place all around it, destroying all the stuff, but the people are all pulled back. Um, and, uh, yeah, we get Kane seeing the um, squadron after squadron of fists, right. stormers descend. Yeah, and nobody's going after Kane, and he doesn't know why, but all these imperial fists are coming down. So, okay, here they come. And uh, you got it, man. Chapter three. Let's keep chugging along. I'm loving this. Yeah, we got um, Adept Semyon um, confirming that we have a, a, an aura machine. Right. Uh, which is an interesting piece, this. Um, it, it kills those it captures. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Like, kind of, this was a bit of a, a weird thing for me. Well, here's the thing it, the machine records these auras. Because and the dragon wants to see what these auras do, which yeah. which is interesting because if it is something that is uh, a Catan or a Satan, you know, which are the guys who trick the Necrons into becoming all machine, that idea yeah. of that aura, that organic thing, I thought it was interesting that that's what he wanted to see bits of to understand yeah, and to envelop. Uh, of course, when they look at the dragon, then suddenly everything becomes the impossible geometry, and I, could, of course, I hear impossible geometry, and I just think Call of Cthulhu. Well, I think it's pretty much given that most of the Black Library, uh, like, core, um, John French, and and for um, Heresy as well, I know Alan Bly and John French are huge Cthulhu fans, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Graham and Jim Swallow are as well. So, yeah, 
I mean, I'm, I'm actually another idea to the idea of the old ones, but we won't yeah, even go into yeah. that. I just finished listening to the Necronomicon. Oh, really? On, on Audible. So, yeah, it's uh, fresh in my mind from all that. Yeah. Very good. But so somehow they're yeah, in so the, the dragon. So go on. I'm sorry. I'm jumping yeah, on your stuff um, here. Uh, uh, Dali is overwhelmed by, by everything that's going on and right. kind of uses uh, Azush as a, a, an anchor. Right. He's there and that's, you know, he's her rock that she can kind of focus on and, and put things into perspective and everything else. Um, and, you know, she realizes this is all the dragon. Um, right. This is, everything is, is to do with the dragon and she's offered the chance to read the book. Um, she doesn't really want to. <laughs> I can't say I blame her. No, but, but he's like, no, nope, she knows the, dra- the dragon wants her to. Um, uh, and she's kind of, it, it, she can't not do it, as it were. She knows this, you know, this place is a tomb, a prison, uh, and she goes to, to read the book. I think maybe part of her wanted to as well, in a weird way. Sure. Sort of knowledge. But yeah, she sees everything. Yes, this is all very dramatic right here. She's seeing everything. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, it's the story of St. George killing the dragon, sort of, except the emperor is actually St. George. St. George is actually the emperor. Yeah, so we get, yeah, hot, dry world, blah, 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 uh, a ferocious heat, and uh, this old earth before unification, um, long before uni- unification. So we've got... Uh, Cyrene. Uh, it was. I was trying to remember if there was a date on here. Yeah, eleventh or twelfth century. Yeah. So that's you know twenty thousand years in the past. Yeah. And or basically get, a thousand years ago from where we are now. You know. Yeah. Um. We we have this dragon uh, slain all the knights except for this one dude in golden armor, scarlet plumed helm, a plumed helm, which is pretty much how he's uh, described. Um, yeah, rides out to face the beast, and we get the the classic fight. The dragon fires lightning from its eyes, and knight strikes a soft place. Um, no, and knowing he can't kill it, he removes it to be bound and kept. Right. So, I thought it was interesting how they start talking about how the emperor does what he needs to do to nudge us towards the proper future. Yeah. Well, I think. Well, he can see, you know, he's got the long game he's seeing here, and he's nudging yes. them towards the proper future. You know what that reminded me of is the Eldar Farseers. Right. Well, I think that so the Farseers see possible futures mm-hmm. and, and try to act on that. You're quite correct, yes. Um, I'm just kind of going through the next bit as well. So we've got, uh, like, Simeon uh, admits that this is the visions of the dragon, they may not be a hundred percent true. They might be a little bit clouded, <laughs> but but they're pretty much true. So the the dragon was then bought to Mars by the emperor and bound beneath and bound and stuck between Noctus uh, Labyrinthus right. because he sees the future. He guides us towards it. A nudge here, uh, a push there, um, as if by design. And uh, I mean. It, and then we get on to, like, these people are then kept there as the dragon. So what you've got, because we also get kind of told that the dragon kind of fuels Mars and, and the, the visions and, the, and the, the work that they do. Right. So 
And she's like, you mean the emperor orchestrated the evolution of the Mechanicum? Which is just crazy that he actually is the one who set it in motion that this would even happen. And this is where he tells him, of course, he knew one day he would need such a mighty organization to serve him. And from the dragon's dreams came the first machines of the priests of Mars. Without the dragon, there would be no Mechanicum. And without the Mechanicum, the emperor's grand dream of a unified galaxy for humanity would have withered on the vine. And she tried to grasp the unimaginable scale of the Empress' designs, the clarity of a vision that could set schemes in motion that would not come into fruition for over 20,000 years. It was simply staggering that anyone, even the Emperor, could have so carefully and precisely orchestrated the destiny of so many with such skill and cold ruthlessness. Uh, Well, this is it. The the, the Emperor... um his distractors will say he's the worst dad in the world. He's completely ruthless. Everyone's just a tool to him. Um, and I won't deny that, the, the, the tools part of it. You have, so in, in 11,000, 12,000 AD, he takes this creature up to Mars for 20,000 years' time to be there, blah, blah, blah. You know, And it's not quite that long when it's actually first used for the Mechanicum and all this. So... It, you start to wonder, well, why is, why is the emperor done that? Now, as we go through, there are lots of thoughts about what the emperor's plan is. Is his plan to become a god? Does he want to do this? Now, I'm starting to think more and more that the emperor looked at the futures and wants humanity to survive and knows that actually there's, there's not much chance of it and has had to pick a route with the least chance of failure to okay. the point where you've got, okay, I need to set this up. I need to set this up. I need to set this up. I need to set this up and almost has no choice from there. He's working. I mean, yeah, you talked about it, the long game. He was, it was 20,000 years just to have a mechanicum in place. Right. right. So that's just, that's, I mean, that is a small part. It's, you know, it's an influential part to have the ability to then go out to the galaxy but, I mean, if that's just, if he's done that for that, what else has he done? That we don't know about, exactly. That we don't know about. He's, he's imprisoned this thing. He's made people look after it. He's created a religion. Uh, when we, we talked earlier about, um, what was the guy's name uh, that had the, the vault that was opened? Moravec. Moravec, yep. yep. So, Moravec was, was Moravec influenced was he told to write what he wrote because Moravec wrote the coming of the Omnisire the emperor when he came to Mars fulfilled every aspect of the coming of the Omnisire right to the point so that was probably planned by the emperor as well so that he could go I'm going to plant this here when I come back and get it I can come back as their god um and and therefore, there's nothing to stop me doing it. They will accept me, and blah blah blah. In this is in a world where he's trying to extol the imperial truth, which makes you wonder. Well, he's he's quite happy to utilise that. So yeah, you've got all the hypocrisy that people complain about. But was the imperial truth a tool that was required to try and grant the greatest chance of success to what was going on? And I think he was walking tight ropes to try and do it. Right. I think it was a case of, right, this might not work, but it's the best chance we got. And that's why the imperial truth, that's why there's lies about everything. 
because I say this is this is a long. If if he just wanted power or whatever, I'm sure that there are ways that he could have achieved what he wanted to achieve. But this is it. It seems too convoluted than just. Do you he think he kind of knew that eventually chaos was going to find its way and worm its way in, and he couldn't stop it? But by the imperial truth, he could hold it off as long as he can to build up what he needed to build up. I yeah, I felt it, he thought. My opinion is that if the emperor's gone. This is the the best chance I have of keeping chaos out of what we're doing until we're strong enough to face it. Um. And it might not work because we'll get later on where we see the emperor talk about various things. Um, but yeah, I think I think you've, you've seen how far he can see into the future or a future or whatever the patterns of the future. And you start. I, my thoughts are then that he's gone. Yeah, okay, I can do it this way, this way, or this way. Well, that way. Those two are roughly the same chance of success, but one's a lot worse if it goes wrong, so we'll try this one. Or, right. or we could try that route. Oh, that's only a 20% chance of success. I'm going to try this 70% chance of success. Um, and and it, it, it's literally a case of using the tools. And if, you, if you've gone through 20-odd thousand years of my goal is to save humanity, then individual lives don't really mean much. Right. Because he's trying to save a whole race. Well, and considering that he's lived up, you know, thirty or twenty thousand years, how many people has he seen just die? Like, yeah, I mean, minimum. yeah, yeah minimum twenty thousand years. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, yeah, like you said, individual lives can't matter when you just go past through oceans of time. Everybody you know dies, and yeah. I mean, and you're talking billions upon billions upon billions of people dying. Uh, and this is how, and this is how he can kill the Thunder Warriors because they are no longer part of that tool that he needs to save humanity. And this is how he can create... We talk about the Emperor being the father of the, of the um, Primarchs. Right. Um, well, he's not. He's their creator. If you, if you actually think about it, there's no, there's no family tie there whatsoever. Well, I mean, is, are, are, don't, isn't there a part of him in them, like a little part of his genetic makeup or something like that that he used, I thought? Yeah. <laughs> Even if there is, they're vat-born. They're not even humans that are turned into something. He has created them. They are his tools. So if you start to look at that that way, then, yeah, he, he will do certain things. He will expect you, know, you to do your job because that's what they were created for. So if you, if you actually start to look at them as tools, um then I think there is a there's an argument to be made that uh, this grand plan uh, is not necessarily the emperor is not necessarily um, what some people perceive him to be, uh, and in fact he knows that he has to make these horrible decisions. But this is the the only the only way. My overall my thoughts were that you get to this point and he's like, no, if if humanity is going to survive this mm -hmm. is the only way it can happen and it's not even guaranteed but we have to try it and yeah. he's picked the best path he can and i think when i was reading part of this and stuff and it's like when you look back at how long ago this was started you know twenty thousand years minimum of laying plans how many things can go wrong in twenty thousand years time 
No kidding. There's there's no way that the emperor can have a plan that is foolproof. Um, you you tell the primarchs about chaos. Magnus is going to be way up in finding out everything he can to fight against it, which is only going to lead to his corruption straight away. Right. You know? So you can't tell the primarchs about chaos because you'll automatically lose one. And as soon as someone gets angry with the emperor, they'll know that there's, you know, it's bad enough that people find out there's an alternative, but if they know there's an alternative, then they might need less pushing. Sure. True. So yeah, it's this this reading this with a few thoughts I'd been having really kind of started to make me think about the emperor and what he's up to and what is going on because I forgot when I I forgot from the first time reading this just exactly what had happened. And I like this where he where she gets there and he's like, you know, you've been chosen to be this you know, you must fulfill your destiny and become the guardian of the dragon. And I, I, I even got the feeling that you know, did, did the emperor actually pick the guardians? Like she was there on Earth, you know? Yeah, she's come a long, Being, long way. Yeah, and and she started with this innate ability. It wasn't like she got to Mars and it started to happen. No, and and, and the way she thought, and then you then start to look at every step of the way, the things that happened to get her where she is. Um. Yeah. No, it's so, great. Yeah, you start to get a much more convoluted idea of what the Emperor is. Um, I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not saying he's necessarily a good guy, but I think he's that guy who's doing what he needs to do. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Absolutely. But so but yeah, she finds that she's chosen to be the Guardian, and uh, she doesn't go crazy because she sees yeah. what humanity's fate would be without the Emperor. And that's way worse. And it literally just says it right in here, sort of like to go with your theory that when she when she sees, you know, that uh, when she pulls her head away from it, and she, you know, that's it. You know, she sees it would be it would be horrible. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for her friend Severine, doesn't uh, doesn't hold together as well. Oh, and let's not forget that the the. the now that she's been touched and looked in the eyes and given the magical, uh, you know, the magical mantle, um, Simeon just turns into dust, and so does his robot guardian guy. Yeah. Poof. Yeah. Allowed to die. So, you know, probably, I wouldn't be surprised if the Emperor's keeping them alive, extending their lives. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, you actually he say- dies and turns to dust. Like, his yeah. Mo- yeah, so he's that old. The magic holding this guy together, nah, he's back to dust a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, even just quickly going back to what I've, you, you read that bit, she saw his, uh, talking about the emperor, she saw his single-minded, pitiless drive to steer his entire race along, along a narrow path of survival only he could see, a life that allowed no love, few friends, and an eternity of sacrifice. Right, and when you compare that to everything that's gone on, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting, and um, it, it made me again slightly kilted my view on the emperor. But cool, yeah. So that was all going on. Yep. Um, meanwhile, Sigismund's companies uh, landed at Mondus Oculum. Oh, before start- we even get there, though, into the chapter at the very end, don't forget Severine walks over to the drop of the edge. Oh yes, sorry. Yes. And she looks over at her and says, "It's a mercy, I think, that we cannot." 
normally see the terrible things that hide in the darkness or know how frail our reality is, wept Severine. I'm sorry, but if you could see as I now see, you would do the same as I. And then she steps off the ledge. Yeah. And I read that, and I'm just going to read this other sentence right to you. Um, because when I read that, this directly reminded me of this. The most merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. The sciences, each straining in its own direction, have hitherto harmed us little, but someday the piecing together of disassociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality and of our frightful position therein that we shall either go mad from the revelation or flee from the deadly light into the peace and safety of a new dark age. You know what that's from? Tethers, Dave. That's the opening paragraph from Call of Cthulhu. I thought it may have been. Yep. And it's literally, yeah. it's right. I mean, it, when I read that, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And and, and it works uh, a number of ways as well, which oh, is sure. really good. Because you've got that, yeah, that brilliant bit of the human mind. But you've also got uh, on the backstory of the Mechanicum and their search for knowledge. It's like, yep. be careful what you find. Exactly. I thought it was really cool when I hit that. Yeah. I was like, wow, you could tell these yeah. guys are fans. And it works. It oh, works yeah. on so many levels. Absolutely. So. It's really good. All right. Yeah. So, cool. uh, yeah, so Sigismund lands um, chapter three point zero four. Oh, slow down! Slow oh, sorry, down. isn't that it, Captain Sigismund Land? No, we well, well, yeah. I mean, we could do that. We've got Camber Diaz as well on the other bit. We might as well go over it. But, well, no, I'm saying it, well, that doesn't happen until the next chapter, does it? No, it, it happens right in the middle of that. Well, actually, to the start of that last chapter. Where oh, did you skip over arms. that part? Oh, we did it. Well, we no, did. well, no, you did, and I went with you. Oh, I'm but, um, sorry. I apologize. Then I totally <laughs> forgot about that. My problem. My my fault. My fault. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So we got uh, the the fast hit of Sigismund's companies, um, with thirteen companies of the Saturnine Hoplites, uh, and hundreds dying in every surging clash. Um, uh, it's you know, a perfect strike with Marines and fifteen thousand Grenadiers before the defenders regroup. Um, and uh, to the south, we've got Camber Diaz, uh, Mondas Gamma, um, but they were slightly more taken by uh, by, by the enemy. Uh, but there's you know two thousand aircraft there and everything else. We're talking huge again, right? Um, right. And uh, Camber Diaz has to hold on and, and wait for 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 the basically there. Yeah, as we go into the next one, it's um, we see they're holding out just getting as much stuff as they can. Yeah, I like that last part. With every second, men were dying, but he, he, Tara would stand or fall, depending on what they could achieve here. They had to yeah, get as much as they could. I'm sorry, I totally missed that spot in That's the, right, as we were going over it. So, but so then, okay, so now I guess we're going to get to Chapter uh, 4 here. Uh, and here's where uh, Sigismund's here, and he's telling Kane, you got to hurry up. you got to get all this stuff, everything we can get. Before we go. And Kane's like, what do you mean go? We're not going to hold the fort? And he goes, look out there. <laughs> is it, this is a lost cause, brother. We can't hold this fort. We need to get everything we can get and go fight a, 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 a battle that's actually, you know, that is worth fighting. Um, yeah, I mean, Sigismund wants to stay. He, he would love to be out there fighting. But he knows he can't. No, and Dawn's told Dawn's told him not to as well. Right. So he's he's having to do his job uh, that he's sent to do, 
and it, and it galls him that he can't do anything more than grab a few bits and run away. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing of cowardice in that whole look out there, we can't win this fight, but it's like, you can't win this fight, and you've been told to go. Yeah. Um, I love how he looks at it. Kane, you're now the fabricator general, and we are all <laughs> leaving. Yep. You know, I'm the, and he's, what about Zeth and Maximal? And he's like, sorry, they're on their own. Yeah. And it's like, oh, ouch. Oh, that's no cool. That's not cool that's, at all. That's the fist's way. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I get why they did it. I get it. You know, it's practical. It's, we can't help them, so we're not going to help them. I, I got you. But you're just like, oh, no. Um, and once again, going out of order to keep the little, the little you know, storylines in, 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 you know, together uh zeth gets the message saying save what you can and destroy everything else yeah and she's like oh crap <laughs> you know it's just like oh no um and then so her and maximal and verticorda all know that they have to destroy their work and kill as many traitors as possible and that's actually really kind of cool because it's just like it's like the two of them the two the two adepts and and the 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 head of this uh, this legios, and they're just like, look, we just got to, you know, we're we're doomed. So we got to kill what we can kill, save what we can save. Um, and it it this becomes the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, basically. But it's you know yeah. two guys against the entire Mexican army. You know, it's like, whoa, wait, here we go. I mean, not that they're completely weak, but you know, basically it's them against Mars. So yeah, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, um, back by the dragon, uh, Severine's dead. Yep. She, she just takes his take a walk. She can't handle it. She looks around and says, oh, no, no, no. Her, her mind can't handle it. She just steps off the cliff. Her mind went over the cliff and her body followed, <laughs> basically. Um, Zeus, he's okay. Caxton is recovering from mental trauma. Um, he's laying there drooling on the ground, but he's going to be okay. I love her. Dude, her power now is just through the roof. I mean, talk about your power level being over 9,000. She can see his brain healing itself. Yeah. She's, um, yeah, this is, this is the third Matrix film. Yeah. I mean, she's gone past just seeing the Matrix. Now she can see the organics as well. It's like, oh, well, damn. Yeah. Um, In fact... Just talking about Caxton there, I saw a post on her Facebook group today and they were talking about another Graham McNeil book and there was a really like obvious uh, callback to another Call of Cthulhu story. Oh, really? Uh, another, another Necronomicon story. I can't remember which one it was, but it was, it was, it was very clear that there was a, an homage to it there. So I think it's fair to say that... Um, McNeil was a big Cthulhu fan, as, as as we thought, and and well he should be because H.P. Lovecraft is someone to be read and adored, despite all of his shortcomings. Yeah, I've always been able to kind of differentiate a, a person from their works. Right. Um, there there are a few occasions where I won't do something because of someone, but it, when it comes to something like that, particularly that's that's aged, as, as should we say, then uh, I, I can ignore the person and read the works for what it is yep, um, and, ha- and have a laugh at some of the names that he uses, particularly for cats and things like that. But there we go. <laughs> so, um, 
Okay, and so now uh, she knows she's the new guardian of the dragon, and Romu 31 stands in as her protector, which when that yeah. little protector of him disintegrated and Romu's there, I'm like, all right, I, this is, this is kind of cool. I really, I wasn't exactly certain where this was going to go at the end. Like, I saw her get there, and it's like, oh, you're just here to take my place. Like, I'm too old to keep going. It's like, oh, okay. And it just, everything just sort of fits together perfectly in this, in this way. Um, yeah. Yeah, his his orders are still there, aren't they? Yeah, to to protect her, and it, it seems like there was a, a divine touch in that order, being vague enough. W- where yeah, yeah, w- worked in such a way that it will maintain where he is. But it's uh, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, um, and then basically they go head down to the now defunct vehicle. Remember, because it died, and Dolly is like, "Oh, I can make it run again." So it's just like, yeah, you know, I I can do that too. I just make the machine start up. So she's like, you know, Zeus, you're going to take Caxton back. Um, and as they get there, the the Kaban machine destroys the, the cargo, the cargo five or cargo or whatever it is, the little cargo ship. Yeah. Um, Dahlia cannot trick the machine again, however. I mean, even though she's got all these powers. But even before, even before that, I mean, as soon as they see it blow up, her first words are, oh, Emperor, protect us. No. Oh, right, yeah. Which is borderline, you know, um, moving towards... Oh, I didn't even think about we, that. What we see. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's in the middle. It's not quite, you know, completely uh, without thinking that, but it's not, it's not the, the Lictitio Divinatus, uh, Divin, Divinitatus, Divinitatus uh, level yep. of, of praise for the emperor, but it's somewhere in between, I felt. Oh yeah, I mean, just still to to just call out to him for protection is still, yeah, yeah. I, that's yeah, completely borderline. I did, you know what? I'm so used to hearing it that I didn't even think about it, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, she totally can't trick the machine again, which is funny because her power level went through the roof. But he's like, nah, nah, nah. I've 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 adapted yes. his little Borg mechanisms. It's like, nah, that that's not going to work again. So now they're totally in trouble. But that's what's awesome is Maven and Cronus show up. And they're like, bam, bam, I'm going to take this damn thing down. Um, Hell yeah. Which is fun. You know, just to have them show up to get this guy in his own little side, you know, mission to get that sort of, get his little bit of revenge, get his, uh, you know, um, just his uh, justifying all of the stuff he said, you know, confirming what he, that he wasn't crazy. Uh, there's a lot of fighting going on, and I basically, in the end, that's quite. Yeah, as I'm looking at it in the book now. It's quite a few pages. Yeah, and you know, I I keep falling back on that line from The Hobbit. There's you know stories that sometimes you know these things are really quick to tell, and sometimes these parts make a really good story. And it's like this is a great part of the story, but there's not much to tell. They they there's a lot of fighting, and in the end, they destroy the Kaban machine. Um, they do indeed. Yes, the actual thing in here, which 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 is the thing to take away from it, is that Maven's vehicle is damaged. Yeah, and Dahlia walks up to these two, you know, Imperial Knights, and the machines kneel in front of her instinctively. They just and that I thought was pretty cool because mm-hmm. even the drivers were like, um, wait a minute, what what <laughs> what's going yeah. on? And yeah, your machine just knelt before this this woman, um, which is cool because the machines have the they know that whole machine spirit. They do it themselves, and then 
she touches Maven's vehicle and says, Machine, heal thyself. And just like the Emperor did in the beginning of the book, and the darn machine's fixed. Um, oh, yeah. She's, uh, I get the feeling she's just more of a conduit now for the Emperor. You think so, or was she? Just- I, I, I just just on that little bit there, the way they the bow um, again, not fully, but I believe there's. Um, it feels to me like that link is more than just. Uh, you know, look how much she's grown in power. Oh, see, I went the exact opposite direction with my reading of that. I was looking right. at it as um, the emperor did trick them all into being the Omnissiah because he's not the machine god that he put the dragon there, and the dragon is the machine god. And now that she has the dragon's power, the emperor was doing what he knew he needed to do to fulfill the prophecy to look like the machine god. Uh, but what you've got is I the dragons, wrong, the dragons in prison. Right. And, and her role, because they even say to her, what do we do now? Release the dragon. And she's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> um, so she is the dragon's goaler. So she she's there to stop him getting out so she, if, she, if she's got a link to the dragon then the dragon could be free oh see i thought she did though i thought like even when she was going down well, and she, she has a link to the dragon as well oh see but it, but if the drag if it was all dragon then surely the dragon would get itself out oh i guess yeah i yeah i see what you're saying so i guess it, i was looking she, more because that yeah that dude was placed there by the emperor to to put the dragon put there there you know he's someone's got to look after make oh. sure he doesn't get loose okay that's true yeah i see what you're saying so i i totally misread that but i was just i guess i was picturing it more as you know the dragon's got all the power that's where all that inspiration and stuff he put in there so that mars would happen as it happened and yeah so, i'm yeah. sure that i'm sure there is that link as well but um but the main link i think is is to to be there to stop the dragon getting loose well there because i was if that was if the, if that power was unleashed um, with knowing, then think what Mars could do with it. Oh, geez, no kidding, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, yeah, that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much chapter four. You know, once the machine heals itself, that's a nice climactic ending of the chapter. So we'll uh, roll into five here as we're getting close to the end of this one. Indeed. Uh, and to Magma City, which. Uh Right at the start, it's it's being torn apart, and we we get the line: the city was doomed, and there was only what there was only one order left to give. So yeah. uh, we know something big's going to go on there, and, and with the lines earlier, we we can guess it's some sort of self destruct mechanism. Right, um, but we get then we skip over to the Deus Tempestus, uh, the warlord striding through. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, uh, they, they gathered in the outskirts for their one last glorious charge, as as all grave heroes from from books must do when they're about to die. Right. I, I mean, mean it, I think it, I have it written here: the knights fight and fight and fight for ten pages, killing a lot, but still not winning this this fight. Yeah, uh, they. I mean, just pulling out little bits from it. I, I mean, they're completely outgunned, uh, and we see kind of a little bit of how the Titans fight again, which is cool, but in a, in a big, big fight here. Um, and they are literally just trying to take out, they're not trying to attack everyone, they're, they're trying to pick a target and kill it right. and move on because they know they're going to die. So they're like, at least we can just take that Titan out, then that Titan out, then that Titan out. And they know they're going to be on the... Hold on a second, Greg. Hold on a second. 
Go ahead. No keep going. Yeah, yeah. They they know they're going to take the beating, but they know that if they concentrate their fire, they can kill more of the enemy than they can of themselves, uh, which is quite cool. And also that they're, they're trying to get Megalator as well. They're making specific efforts to to kill the big bad guys. Oh yeah, they got to get which to is him. Good. Um, and as you say, that goes on for quite a while. Uh, we get to um, Ipluvian, and he's donate, uh, detonated his reactor chain. Right. Uh, Zeth has started her her process of doing it as well. Um, and then uh, the assassin reappears. Yeah, you knew she had to come back at some point. You don't introduce someone like that and have them just walk away. No, exactly. It's... Once they're placed in there, you can you know they're they're, they're going to take some part, um, and shoots Zeth twice in the chest. Yeah, and and you think, oh no, it's all over. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh come on. Yeah, it, it's weird, isn't it? They, you know want- Zeth's going to die anyway because yeah. there's no way she's getting out of this. Yeah, but she's got to be able to at least erase. You can't let all the cool stuff she's created. No, I that's mean, it. Yeah, she's like single-handedly bringing about a new golden age. It seems like uh, in the. Uh, in the uh, in the Imperium here, and you you can't let these tools get that stuff. You just can't. No, no. So yeah, she's she's left dying on the floor, and uh, in the last few kind of bits of the the chapter, um, the uh, the knights finally reach Meglator, who's like been so overconfident in in not getting hurt that he started to go oh no oh no and started to retreat, and it's just a bit too late. Yeah, Angus. and I love when they finally get him. Like they blow him up, yeah. like 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 explosion. He's flying through the air. They're like shooting him on the way down. It's like he's he lands in chunks. You know, it's just oof. They get him. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just as as he dies, then we see the uh, RS Lictor fall and 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 die. All the knights are dying. Yes, but, that, but that's pretty much all that happens. Is say it's a, it's a big mega battle with a few little cool bits, but there's not there's nothing kind of that really stands out. Yes, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, then we get into chapter six, and there's some parts of ch- chapter six I really do enjoy. You got Cavalario; he's still out there, still fighting. He takes out the Warlord Titan by diverting shield power to the volcano cannon. Hell yeah! Again, he's like. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to die anyway, so let's just go mental. Yeah, a, a man with nothing to lose is a dangerous thing. And so he manages to take out the warlord, and then he gets shot. You know, they, they, they take a shot. Uh, then they cut to Zeth. And this is great. She's not only not dead, um, but she's sitting there talking to him, and she's, and she's waiting there, you know, and where, wherever her wound is, you know, she's got her Dr. Octopus arms, like, keeping her moving around. And uh, she has snuck a code into the assassin's biometrics that shuts down the assassin, basically paralyzes the assassin. Yeah. So you're like, oh, you think you shut all this stuff down? Well, you know, I, I still, she still gets her, and that's just great. And the way she, I forget exactly the wording, but when she's talking to her about it, it's just like the, uh, here it is, the rounds are handcrafted in the null shield forges of Avdev Prinzler and utilize technology similar to that found in warp missiles used by Titans. So she, you know, you're wondering why your void didn't you? Actually, I was wondering how long it would take for the no spheric trip code I've been broadcasting to affect you. 
Zessa Ramirez surprise in her biometrics. I'm like, you think you're so clever, assassin, but I'm a high adept of the mechanicum. Nobody's cleverer than me. And the assassin just screams <laughs> no and tries to do stuff, and it's like, too late. I got you. <laughs> right now, your enhanced metabolism is trying to reboot your system. It won't do you any good. And then that's when she's like, I'll kill you. And then she goes, no, you're not. Polk. <laughs> and if in case you've forgotten, Polk is the guy that she messed up his brain so that he couldn't be her servant anymore just because she felt like being a jerk. Yeah. And uh, that's the great because he just her, the fact that she ruined his mind, she turns him into a servitor uh, just for this specific thing. When she comes back, his tech is so primitive because of what she needs him to do, that the code that's being signaled that's getting the assassin can't affect his tech. His tech. Yeah, it's awesome. And he basically, his one, his one job is to go pick up the assassin, hold on to her tight, and then go jump into the magma pool with her. You know, just yeah. dive in holding her. And I was like, nice! It is pretty cool. And even going back, those, um, those bullets from that gun... He said using warp technology. I can only think that's the warp missiles they used to have in, I think it was Titan Legions, that actually phase in and out of the warp. So oh, you wow. fire them and they, they go into the warp and come out of the warp again. So they avoid shields. Oh, that's cool. And that's how it bypasses her shields. Uh, that's, I can only assume that they are the similar technology to that, which is awesome. Yeah, no, that is cool. Yeah, it's a shame um, to see Zeth go because this is like where she's Zeth is a one badass. Yeah, I really liked her. I mean, I was really first time I read this, just angry at this point. I was just angry in general. I'm like, really, this is this is how she go. And you know, she couldn't. I just wanted her to get off the planet. I wanted her to go with the other guys so she could show up later and and cause more trouble and do something. But no, <laughs> she just got to <laughs> die. Uh, and the last part uh, in Chapter 6 is that the, the, the Aquila Ignis, that Imperator Titan, uh, is still running around just killing everything because nothing can stop it. It's an Imperator Titan. Yep, pretty much. Um, at that point, the Dark Mechanicum pretty much has won. They get into the Magma City. Zeth destroys Magma City by opening up the Magma Vents. And the overflow topples the city and everyone in it. So basically, you know, she was sitting that whole time on top of that open volcano. And her self-destruct mechanism was, well, I'm just going to drop this into the volcano. Yeah, it's so much cooler than just blowing everything up. Yeah, it really is. Only the Aquila Ignis gets out of this. Like, it, it, it steps even though, it, you know, once again... It can't run, <laughs> but uh, it, as it's walking away, eating up the kilometers step by step, the lava flow builds up inside here as she closes up all, or opens up the vents, uh, and it gets to it, and the lava basically starts to eat through the feet until the feet and the ankles give, and um, apparently when you're that size, if your ankle gives and you come crashing down, you're toast. Um, uh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, huge weight on areas that aren't supposed to take it. That's that's going to happen. Yeah, and they they mentioned how later it would be salvaged, but for now, it's pretty much done. 
Yeah. So what we've seen, I mean, we had all the uh, the other Titan houses, oops, the other Titan houses uh, put their reactors onto critical, just disengaged all their safety so that they couldn't get taken by the bad guys as well. Right. So, you know, you're left with all, all the uh, all the good guys have just destroyed all their gear to deny it from the opposition. Yeah. Um, but you get to see a little bit here of uh, what what the differences are between 30k and 40k. Now, if you think this is just the first fight on Mars, uh, then and Mars still has to be dealt with later on because you can't let bad guys just sit on the planet that's quite near to your throne world. Um, you can see why in 40k they don't have the same level of knowledge because of the, the immense destruction that's gone on here, the, the amount of information and knowledge that's got lost. Oh, right, right. Has, you know, so, so when, you, <clears throat> when you look at 30K and 40K on the tabletop, like there are the guns and things that are available in 30K that aren't available in 40K. And that's because of things like this. And this is a major issue. Mars, the wars on Mars is a major reason why not all of it survives. Yeah, in fact, at the end of that chapter, it's uh, three hours after Adept Coriel Zeth unleashed doom upon her forge. The magma city finally sank beneath the great inland lake of lava. The last of its towers were cast down. Zeth's inner forge filled with lava, and all her great works were destroyed as thoroughly as though they had never existed. And with their destruction, all hope of lifting the Imperium into a golden age of scientific progress not seen since humanity set forth from its birth rock was lost forever. So it's like, oof, that's harsh. And then you get to this little addenda. Did you take the addenda or was I supposed to take um, it? I, I did a little bit. I mean, there's, it's fairly short. Right. Uh, we have, we have the, the two knights of Tyrannus, the last two. Uh -huh. uh, wandering around with uh, instructions of the girl of the golden light um, to wait for the end of hostilities and see what was going on. So they're obviously left on Mars, and if we return to Mars for a big fight, I'm sure they'll pop back up again. Um, but they're out by themselves just trying to lay low and, uh, and see yeah. if they can be of use at some point. And then... Uh, Dahlia, deep in the uh, Noctus Labyrinth, uh, um, <clears throat> turns around to have a look at the book. And, uh, well, I mean, this is much, much later, but uh, the book's gone. And the last lines are, 10,000 years would pass before the next guardian was drawn to the Noctus Labyrinthus, but by then the damage had been done. So... 10,000 years is obviously 40k. Again, I can see that just as a setting up of a story for 40k. Uh, right. I can't think that it's been expanded on in 40k yet. But, um, just so a which little... one of them stole the book? Sorry? So who stole the book? Was it... Uh, we don't, well, who knows? You've got, you've got all, her, all her little mates, haven't you? Well, two. Well, Z uh, Zeus and Caxton, yeah. Yeah. So one of them two, most likely. Well, Caxton, Caxton, well, Caxton's mind was trashed, so Zeus just decided to take the book? I mean, I, I, well, yeah, who trashed? Was, yeah, so Caxton's mind was trashed, therefore left weak. Right, think of it as... Um, 
Oh, uh, it could let's, be the let's go back to him. Cthulhu, Cthulhu myth- ah, mythos. Ah, a, a, right. A, broke, a broken, weak mind could allow someone in. So my guess would be Caxton. And the dragon got in his brain to take the book and run. There's that would that there. would fit in that um, that Cthulhu style when HP Lovecraft. Yes, it absolutely style. would. Yeah, no, it, yeah. it's perfect. The, the per, you know, the insane mind is the most easy one to to break into. Oh, yeah. that's yeah, okay. Oh, that was frustrating too at the end. Like they just throw that in right at the end. I was like, oh come on, don't piss me off like that. What's yeah, up with that? That's, that's the Horace Heresy, and uh, Graham does have um he he does link between a lot of his books uh, at various points. So I mean, I've only read he did do a forty k uh, series of Gods of Mars or something like that. No, I can't remember what they they're all called. Uh, I I read the first one. It doesn't appear in that. It doesn't seem like it would be linked, but maybe he has an idea one day of writing a forty k story that had had that in. Yep. But, uh, well, until then, it's just a missing book. I got you. Okay. Yeah, we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it says in there we don't have to worry about it really too much, do we? Yeah. But, uh, but we're left with knowing that um, all the revelations of the emperor there and everything else, and then Mars being left as a, as a ruined scape held by the traitors. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And I mean, and eventually they got to get rid of them, like you said. I don't know where that story comes in or when it gets <laughs> old. I don't know uh, which book that is. I, like I said, I haven't gotten as far as everybody else, but. It's it's something that should have been dealt with before, before it has, really. Uh, there was a book released, uh, a limited edition called Cybernetica by Rob Sanders, uh, released this year, which. Uh, started to deal with it and I believe I've got a feeling that he may be writing a full length novel to go alongside it that's I can't remember if I've heard rumours about that or if it's just conjecture on my part fair um, enough uh, but it's definitely I can't I can't say it for sure but I believe that he may be writing a full novel around that um, well, which it, it needs to be done really at some point yeah and I, I've got to say loved it this was a great one yeah. Right after Legion, I mean, you know, after Descent of Angels, which I like more, you know, th- on the second reading, kind of not expecting it to end and not expecting the sequel so quick. And then sure. Legion was great. But this is actually, this is, you know, after Battle for the Abyss, this is just a huge boost. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I, just, I forgot how much I liked this book until I was sitting taking these notes going, this is just really cool. There's some really fantastic stuff here going on. Yeah, and, uh, it shows a lot of what's great about Graham's writing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I love it. Uh, in fact, I'm reading uh, tonight when we're done recording, and about well, about seven hours from now, I'm going to be recording for uh, Garage Hammer. And yeah. we're covering the first big Age of Sigmar book. And um, there's weird little bits in the Age of Sigmar book that remind me of things that are in this book. And so... I'm going to be sort of bringing them up and exploring them tonight, too. Um, Crossing the streams. Well, you know, there seems to be a little bit of it, you know, and just I'm just trying to bring them up. I'm not saying it's there. I'm just saying. No, no, it's definitely uh, one of the things about Age of Sigmar is I know people say it's 40K. There's a lot of 40K. It's marketed the same as 40K. Right. What they've done is they've gone, how do we sell Warhammer 40K stuff? 
right, we'll sell Age of Sigmar stuff in the same way. So even though some things aren't similar, they're made to appear similar. Right, no, I'm not even talking about. I'm it. not even talking about the Stormcast Eternals. I'm talking. No, about I'm talking about the writing and the I'm talking dragon. about other things as well. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, literally, after reading this and then reading with that dragon, I'm going, oh, that's kind of interesting, and sort of the weird way the story goes, and him going from the warrior king to the god king, mm. and um, just some of the things he's able to do, and I'm like, oh, this is, uh, huh, this is pretty cool. I'm I'm actually liking some of the parallels. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's actually taking some of my favorite elements of this and bringing them into the the fantasy game that that I'm enjoying playing. So I've got no beef actually. So there's a spoiler in case people. Uh, <laughs> well, they know it works, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> it's good. It is good. All right. So I think it's time to wrap up. Definitely. And, Mechanicum, uh, yay! Yeah, and thank you, everyone. What's ne- what's next on it? That's um, the, the, the tales of heresy. T- tales, yeah, tales of heresy. Yeah, right. So our first batch of short stories, which I think will be f- kind of interesting. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah, it's it's uh, there's some crazy stuff that goes on in in those two. Uh, a couple of them I didn't quite understand. Uh, at least not the first time I read them. So we'll see if I get it this time, and if not, uh, we'll ask. Uh, I'm telling you right now. That whole thing with, I think it was, was it with the Ultramarines? And it seemed like Angron was killing them all on their planet. And then I was. Oh, the war. Um, yeah. I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, I remember being confused at thinking, going like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. yeah. We jumped forwards a bit. Yeah. But yeah. There's a lot of straight. I mean, like I said, it's Tales of Heresy. So it's a lot of this. Some weird bad stuff going on. Um, just, I don't know, man. I mean, it was it was an interesting read, and it was nice to get just a bunch of different little stories. You know, it'll be it'll be good for me to go back and read it because I don't think I've read any of those stories since it came out, and I remember a couple of absolutely brilliant ones, and maybe a couple that aren't so brilliant. Um, well, I think uh, I'm getting. We'll see. I've, I've got the first. Oh wait. How did we? Agree? I forget. Oh, it's you've an odd the, number. You've got, the, so you're uh, taking, odds, uh, you've got the evens. I've got the odds. Yeah, that's right. There's an odd. Yeah, you're taking because I've got some other reading and, and papers and stuff to grade. So you're taking the uh, the extra the extra story. So yeah, yeah the, you get the Dan Abnett one in the beginning, and I get the Last Church. So I think it's a fair it's a fair split there. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Yeah, no, it, sh- it should be good. Can't yeah. wait on that one. All right, folks. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Um, we've already been getting some emails and some feedback. So um, we, we will be bringing you the feedback episode. Yeah. Can I just say that if you are, I don't, uh, don't mind getting tweets. I, I love getting tweets and stuff like that. Uh, the only problem with tweets is they tend to be very um, quick-lived in the memory. And uh, if I'm at work, I can't really, haven't really got time. I, I just don't have any time while I'm at work right. um, to, to stop and do stuff. So if you have stuff that you feel that you can um, benefit with the feedback shows, then an email to either of us is brilliant or on the Garage Hammer forums, yeah. garagehammer.net. Yeah, on the show thread. Um, yeah, we're yeah because that's yeah emails and show threads where I generally go. Like you said, if someone tweets about stuff, I will read it. I may respond on Twitter, but that rarely makes it over into the into the uh, feedback episode because I, I like I don't remember it either. 
No. So yeah, um, but yeah, no. Keep, yeah, it's fine to keep tweeting us, and we've we've had some uh, ideas on the number sixteen point one five minutes and things like that. I and like it, that one. The one the guy that that was a pretty yeah. cool, that was a really good answer. I didn't even have time to look it up yet. I'm like, oh, thank you. I didn't even have to go search. Somebody came up with an answer I like. So yeah, so. yeah no, fantastic. This is great, and uh, guys, thanks. I, I would love getting you know that you guys are interested enough and that you're listening and you want to bring up points we made and, and make this into a real discussion bet- between all of us and not just Greg and I rambling. So it's really cool. But, Absolutely. Um, but it is that time. And so, folks, until next time, the Emperor protects. Death to the full Emperor. Congratulations on completing another episode of After Eleanor. David and Greg would love you to come and chat some more about the Horus Heresy in the forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or on the Facebook page. Just search for After Ullinor. You can email us if you wish at greg at garagehammer.net or david at garagehammer.net. Finally, you can catch us on Twitter at After Ullinor, at Child of Fang for Greg and at garagehammer for David. If you'd like to support the show, you can visit the support page on the main website at garagehammer.net and you can leave a positive review on iTunes. In addition, you can tell all your friends to come and join the community. Many thanks for listening, and until the next episode, may the Emperor protect you.